following is a conversation with Gil Vega, Chief Information Security Officer at Veeam. Gil's journey through the world of cybersecurity has seen him safeguarding billion-dollar financial marketplaces to crafting security strategies for the U.S. Department of Energy and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. With a career woven with diverse experiences, including combat operations as a U.S. Army veteran, Gil brings a unique perspective to the table. At Veeam, his role shapes the security framework, ensuring a robust defense for not only Veeam, but also our customers against the ever-evolving threat of cyber attacks. And now, for Cyber Security Awareness Month, Gil Vega. Anthony, good morning, good evening. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, Gil, this is a really exciting episode for me because it's it's timed really well. We've got the Cyber Security Awareness Month happening in October. Not that that shouldn't mean that you shouldn't be aware of cyber attacks and malware every other part of the year, but it's very pertinent in October. It's a designated month. So it's great to have our CISO on the show to talk about all things cyber. So I think we've got tons to talk about in this next 35 minutes or so, but I think I want to kick off and start the show by asking you, how did you become a CISO? What led Gil to become CISO of Veeam Software? Wow. Well, it's it's a long journey. I'll try to keep it short. Uh, otherwise, we're going to take up the entire hour with that story. But uh, I, I've been doing this for better part of 25 years, even before the term of art CISO was even coined uh, in our industry. Uh, started in 98, working technology, but focusing on the assurance component of technology. And fast forward uh, to my service uh, in the U.S. government in Washington, D.C., where I spent about 20 years uh, working in various uh, DOD, Intel uh, community organizations, culminating with uh, my role as the CISO for the U.S. Department of Energy, where I, you know, oversaw uh, the nuclear weapons complex, the uh, National Laboratory Complex, and the cybersecurity executed um, there. Um, it, it prepared me well for a career in financial services, and then finally here uh, here at Veeam. And I think uh, one of the one of my greatest um, attributes, if you'll call it that, is all the scar tissue that I've gained over the years from um, from a cybersecurity perspective, including being involved in lots of uh, pretty significant cyber events when I was in the U.S. government. Yeah. So did I hear that right in saying, obviously, pretty cool to hear a lot of nuclear stuff, and that same, seems very, very high-end and very, very high-risk securities, hyper-situational, but did you not really start in IT? Is that is that kind of what I picked up on at the start? Yeah, yeah. Found I was, found uh, your way in there? <laughs> I did. I was uh, I, I was uh, in the military right out of high school. I, I, I gained my college education as an adult and uh, started my career as a, as a police officer in Washington, D.C. and uh, transitioned into technology in the mid-90s. And it was sort of a nexus of technology, security, investigations, insider threat that led me to um you know this idea of wanting to become a CISO and and I've uh I've I've lasted this long so maybe I'm doing something right <laughs> yeah and I guess you mentioned the fact that look the term CISO has really risen to, to prominence in the last you know maybe three to four to five years right before that I know that I never really came across it and I've been in tech for 20 years now right um so what is a CISO number one because I think that's a question a lot of people do ask still in today's IT landscape yeah, I think um, I think you're right, and I think the the role is still being defined, and it's being defined because a CISO is a different role in different types of organizations, uh, different industries, different size organizations, and so forth. But generally, 
I think a CISO role has become much more strategic and and much less tactical um, these days. When I started this uh, years ago, uh, the CISO role was almost completely uh, tactical, where the expectations were something as simple as making sure your website uh, didn't get defaced or ensuring that your infrastructure is patched and kept up to uh, up to date. Today, uh, especially in larger companies or companies that are um, you know need to be responsive to regulatory pressures related to oversight, say you're in a critical industry. Um, the role has become and, and has has needed to become much more uh, strategic from, you know, implementing these broad um, uh, enterprise risk management programs to leading technology acquisitions and leading due diligence efforts around uh, acquisitions to, uh, I said it before, managing and cultivating those regulatory relationships. Those are not tactical activities and require really some seasoning to be able to handle those effectively. And uh, and finally, you know, cybersecurity has really become, in most industries and for many large companies, the number one operational risk being managed by the board of directors. So, mm. being able to uh, manage up to the board of directors, keeping them informed, being responsive to board subcommittees uh, on the topic of cybersecurity and how uh, how the company is managing that, uh, as well as um, how we're. Uh, you know, supporting the development of new products and influencing new features related to cybersecurity have all become, you know, sort of table stakes for today's strategic uh, CISO. And I think it really marks a pretty significant um, change in the way CISOs are not only um, engaged in this day-to-day, but how they're viewed across uh, across the landscape. But I've run into CISOs who manage uh um, all of those things I've mentioned for large multinational conglomerates who haven't been technical in, in many, many mm-hmm. years. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a need to, to, to remain abreast of all the changes in technology, but you've also got to be able to have a great team around you um, that can support you. Um, I've said it before, you've probably heard me say it, that cybersecurity isn't my responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. And and, and having a solid team around you to, to help manage all of these moving parts is absolutely critical to, to the survival uh, in this role because, um, you know, CISO also stands for career is soon over uh, if, you're not, <laughs> if you're not doing these things effectively. Yeah, you touched on a lot of things. I think I wanted to bring it back to the battle scar part. And I think this, this whole notion of that a CISO you know, it's a bit different to say a CTO or a CIO, but but in my world of more of a, of a chief technology officer, right, um, where that typically has always been sort of a, a very hands-on visionary, let's get technical, let's look at what's, what's, what's coming and let's look at what we can do moving forward type of role where I feel like, you know, what you've talked about with regards to battle scars, experience, regulatory compliance, that's all something that, you know, from my point of view, a technol- a technical CTO doesn't necessarily have to do. And I think that's kind of where we all find different paths in our in our careers, right? And in some in some paths, you might start technical and then you branch out into this regulatory space. You might then become business orientated. You might become um, good to talk to um, the, the C-suite, uh, which is a big skill in itself and it comes with experience. So all these things come into play to, to sort of separate the differences between what I see as a CTO, a CISO, and even a CIO. Maybe a CISO and a CIO are a bit more blurred to me in this day because I, I guess 
the CIO came out of nowhere for me a while ago, you know, years ago now. So now that we've got the CISO and the CIO, I think that's the biggest thing that people probably find they try to struggle with the differentiator. I, f- I think that the chief technology officer is an easy one to differentiate, but the CIO and the CISO are the ones that people might find a little bit more confusing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think the role of the CIO has changed at just as much as the role of the CISO uh, for many companies and industries over the over the past several years, I think I think larger companies are expecting you know more than sort of boxes and wires management, IT director type uh, role uh, roles that uh, traditionally have gone to uh, uh, CIOs. CIOs have become much more visionary and critical to the business. Um, you know, from not only managing the internal infrastructure and enabling all types of business process, but becoming you know, quite frankly, the uh, the steward for exploiting all of the important information that a company has and creating sales opportunities out of out of that uh, out of that information. So I think yeah. the expectations perhaps have grown even even larger for CIOs than they have for uh, for CISOs. CIOs are so much more involved in revenue generation uh, for many uh, large companies, especially in the technology space, um, because of their unique positioning in the company, having access to all types of important, um, you know, sales and customer information and being able to exploit that, I think has become a key focus um, recently for them. Yeah. Do you think given that there's been an explosion of CISOs and the role has been, you know, something that a lot of larger organizations have seen to, to fill more than say, hasn't really reached the, the lower tier of organizations just at this point, I think you have to reach a certain size to, to bring or to justify a full-time CISO. So what's your take on the quality of the CISOs that you see and you talk to? Because my my take is so a few of these guys are probably not quite there or not quite ready with the experience that would justify that position because um, it's a very important position, right? So do you have any, uh, any fears or any, I guess, um, sort of comments on the general quality of the CISOs that are out? That's a loaded question, I know, but you kind of get what I'm talking about there in terms of it's 2023, cybersecurity is huge. Let's get a say so in. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do want to I do want to um, mention that it's not just guys anymore. It's it's the gals too. Oh, of I course, see yes. This explosion in our in in this space of uh, of women taking on significant leadership roles in this space. I think that's I think that's fabulous, not only for companies but for uh, CISO roles in general. Um, I think um, I think what differentiates uh, people who want to be a CISO. Uh, I think is um, the passion um, and the desire to be to take this job very personally, right, and be very defensive of a company. And I think that passion is pretty unique in the in the world of cybersecurity. Um, obviously, there are going to be different levels of CISO roles, and some of these. Some of these smaller roles that are called CISOs um, are sometimes double or triple hatted in an organization yeah. where a CISO was also the CIO and he's, you know, he's a CTO or she's, uh, you know, she's leading different uh, parts of the technology program. I think there's sort of a, um, there's a, there's a journey, there's a career journey for people who find themselves with significant security responsibilities in a company Um um, leading them to, you know, become more specialized in this space and develop themselves more as a strategic thinker versus the tactical 
yeah. um, that perhaps they started out in. And I think uh, that's uh, honestly, it, it reminds me of my career journey where uh, I felt that every role that I ever took was seasoning me for the next significant role um, that led to my coming out from a very tactical uh, start of my career to becoming a much more strategic um, player in, in government agencies and companies. Yeah, I love that st- tactical versus strategic and that evolution. I think that actually encapsulates it pretty well, right, in terms of that journey and how you get to that point. So just tell me, what, what's, a, what's a typical day then in the role of a CISO at Veeam Software? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the reasons why I love this job because uh, it's – you know, for 25 years, I've never had uh, the same experience day to day. It's just, it's literally different um, every day. And in a lot of cases, it's checking in with my uh, senior leadership team, um, making sure that uh, I have a good handle in the day's events, making sure that I have the information to be able to uh, inform our senior, senior leadership here of any uh, ongoing issues or outages, uh, working very closely with our CIO team. And, and, I, and I did want to mention um, one of the changes that we've seen um, in the industry related to the relationship between a CIO and a CISO is that oftentimes uh, they're peers now, uh, whereas in the past and not too distant past, CISOs would often work for the CIOs. So I think there's okay, been yeah. a recognition that there has to be a healthy tension there between the CISO and the CIO of an organization. And uh, and, and here at Veeam, uh, we have exactly that. Uh uh, Nate Kurtz is our wonderful CIO uh, here at Veeam, and he and I and our teams work very, uh, very closely together. So part of my day is making sure that we're in sync uh, with that team and engaged in all of their projects, you know, responding to customer inquiries and and, and catching up on the news because uh, there is such a geopolitical nexus between what CISOs are trying to get done um, and, and, and in the cybersecurity um, space. Uh, geopolitics now affects the cyber threat landscape more than it's ever done before. And let's face it, we're, we're living in a, uh, in a time of increased threats across yep. the globe. Uh, they're worse than ever. And you could say that every day. Um, so I really believe that an uninformed uh, CISO really can't do the job. Well, I spent a lot of time not only uh, understanding new technologies and approaches uh, on a daily basis, but really getting in tune with the changes in the threat landscape, the global news, politics, um, you know, conflicts and so forth. Yeah. So you got to keep, you're keeping busy just quietly. <laughs> yeah. um, so when you start talk about that, we're talking about it's multifaceted, right? Because you mentioned it early on in terms of, you know, being tactical and strategic, but I guess, from a vein perspective, what you're doing is you're looking not so much first and foremost, I would expect at the actual, say, vein backer application, even that's part of it, right? But ideally, you're actually looking, working with the CIO to make sure that Veeam itself as an entity, as the company, is kind of up and about when it comes to these threats, right? Like it's not, I think a lot of people would go, oh, well, Gil will check out VBR and we'll check out like backup for Office 365 and see what's going on there. But that's actually probably not what it is more so than just making sure the company as a whole is prepared in case the worst happens in this threat landscape that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, there are quite a few focus areas for our group here. Um, we call ourselves global information security. Veeam is a global company, which I think adds significant risk to our 
um, to our company. We operate in uh, you know dozens of countries around the, around the globe with over five thousand employees. So in 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 addition to the general uh, internal mission focused on the defense and resiliency of the company. Um, uh, myself and my team spent a lot of time uh, with the product team, uh, helping them understand the current threat landscape. Uh, we've got a cyber threat intelligence team that tracks many of the adversaries that we feel are a threat to the company and to our customers. And that information makes its way to our product development teams. And that informs some of the features that are, that are new um, to our, to our, um, to our products. Um, there's um a really key focus, and I will probably get into this a bit later when we talk about Cybersecurity Awareness Month, that our internal um, our internal efforts focus on making sure that our Veeam employees are the best prepared in industry to help us defend this company against the thousands of attacks we receive on a, on a daily and weekly uh, basis. And we put a lot of calories into making sure our employees are able to be uh, fish-proof. Uh, that's, that is the number yeah. one vector for this company and and many other uh, uh, companies that are customers of ours. Yeah, and I think I, I can speak to that, right? I mean, all of a sudden, you know, the laptops that we had, the, the, the home screens were all about, you know, making sure that we're secure, that we're safe. I've not seen that level of preparedness put on, you know, organ, an organization like I've had at Veeam in the last sort of, I guess, 18 to 24 months, right? We, we take uh, courses that we have to sort of be ready for. We've got to go through some learning to make sure that we're aware of the threat landscape. So, you know, I think a lot of us, and I think in technology, a lot of tech companies, a lot of tech people kind of wrongly assume that they're going to be okay because they're in this world. I'm never going to get done, right? I think that's kind of a lot of the mentality that we have in this industry because we feel that we're pretty much ready for it. But I think you'd understand that that's not the case, right? And there's a lot of us in this company that might be a little bit, um, what's the word, overconfident in the fact that we will never get attacked or we won't get fished. We've uh, we, we've seen a bit of that. We've seen some of our more technical uh, employees, some of our more um, experienced and tenured employees fail for some of our phishing campaigns. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a significant aha moment for people that were actively phishing uh, from our internal team. Um, look, the the you know Gartner is predicting that you know in the next couple of years the the consumerization of AI enabled uh, fraud uh, will be responsible for um, changing everything we understand about the current threat landscape. And the only way that we can counteract um, this new threat is by making sure that our employees are up to the task. Um, they also tell us that human failure. Uh, will result in uh, more than 50% or be responsible for more than 50% of the significant cyber events um, coming forward. So making sure that our employees are prepared is is one of the key focus areas, uh, I think, in perpetuity of, for this program. Uh, and I think, it's a, I think it's a strategy that a lot of our customers are, are embracing as well. Absolutely. I, I know that I... I've, I've obviously picked up a few of the phishing attempts. I've submitted them and, and you get a, a good tick when you do that. But I must admit, I don't think it was actually through the Veeam email, but it was on my other personal email where I did click on a link. And as soon as I clicked it, I went, what have I done? Like I, I literally knew straight away that it was really, really well written. And I kind of went, yep, no worries. I just didn't think for a second. 
And then it was just like it was on my mobile. Not that that means a lot because you can still get, you know, Pegasus can still, you know, all those sort of root kits can go on your mobile. I'm still worried for a second. I rebooted it straight away. But I fell for it is what I'm trying to say. And I knew straight away that I had, but it didn't stop me clicking. So, and that's me yeah. being pretty aware. So, you know, you, you, th you take the general population around that with that education and it's very easy for someone to get, you know, compromised. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a really interesting um story because uh oftentimes people are ashamed of what they do online and um what we try to encourage our users and what many companies try to encourage them is if they make a mistake it's okay right um let us know report it one of the key focus areas of our anti-phishing program here at veeam and across many companies is to create a sensor out of every one of our employees so anthony you were a sensor on that event right i'm sure you reported it and if had that been a legitimate um, phishing attempt by an adversary of Veeam, uh, your report will allow us to put actions on potentially 5,000 other employees that have been targeted by that by that event yeah. as well. So reporting these things, um, um, you know, being uh, conscientious to do that, I think is one of the most important things uh, that anyone can do uh, mm. to, to be fish proof. Yeah. Uh, so just on that, a question kind of without notice, um, I've been doing a, a series of, of roadshows over the past month, um, ransomware myth bustings, and we've had a very open and honest conversation with, with the group around to that point, being open about an attack, being open about you know a moment where you have been you know compromised either personally or as a company because sometimes we don't talk about it. I kind of felt like it was a ransomware anonymous scenario, right, where all of a sudden one person, one person opened up and then everyone opened up and it became a really good story. Um, that aside, the question that I thought of was what what are you more scared probably isn't the right way. What are you more worried about or what are you more sort of concerned at happening? A breach or a actual cyber event that actually, you know, is malicious in intent? Because that's the two different types that we've seen in the world at the moment. You know, the breach where some data gets lost through a misconfigured API or whatever it might be, and you, you, you that's more of a brand reputational situation, or the actual more serious ransomware attack that looks to either encrypt the data, hold it to ransom, or actually be destructive? Yeah, I don't want to experience either again. Um, I think it really depends on what industry you're in, how you're regulated, what type of customers you have um, that will will drive which one of those is, uh, is higher on the list of concerns. I think um, overall, from a perspective of recovery, from both of those types of events, the ability to be resilient in the face of an inevitable attack, I think is is an area that companies um, uh, should continue to invest. You've heard us say it before, it's almost cliche. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will be attacked. Scary. May be attacked successfully. You may be breached. Your ability to have a solid backup strategy um, that is exercised and you know that the 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 um, backup and recovery processes in your company work will become the single most important component um, to maintaining um, defenses against what I think are existential to some companies. I mean, we've yeah. seen companies go bankrupt in the face of ransomware attacks. We've seen companies go bankrupt uh, in the face of breaches of significant amounts of personally identifiable information or personal health records. So uh, being able to not only um, uh, monitor, respond in real time, but also 
prepare yourself to be resilient in the face of a of a of a significant successful event directed against you, I think is going to um, uh, be more important going forward, especially with uh, some of the things I've already talked about related to AI and automation of some of these attacks that we're we're, we're starting to yeah. see now much more commonplace in the future. Absolutely. Let's 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 get to that. But firstly, you know, leading on from that, I think it's a good time to talk about Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And you mentioned, you know, the fact that it's not a matter of if but when. Why do we need a whole month to, to highlight this scenario when we talk about it all the time? Like, I, I, I guess we do kind of understand why we're going to highlight it, but what's your thoughts on this whole month now being dedicated to cybersecurity awareness? Yeah, I don't think a month is enough. Like, I think it should. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be all year. And here at Veeam, we uh, we keep this topic at the top of mind for all of our employees year round. You know, this Cybersecurity Awareness Month was um, was it was a global effort that's led. Uh, here in the United States, mostly by the Department of Homeland Security. And it's really a good opportunity for us to spend a whole month focusing on our community that's so interconnected, that is so technology dependent. Um, and, and really, from my perspective, it's an opportunity for us to create disciples um, across companies and organizations to help us uh, share the burden of keeping our companies um, safe. This, you know, this year, uh, Cyber Security Awareness Month's theme is uh, securing our world, which is it's pretty significant. When you it's think broad, about right? It. That's a that's a big <laughs> statement there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I mentioned it before. It's uh, we're so interconnected. Um, the supply chains are you know dozens of layers deep, and uh, you've heard it before. Our adversaries only need to be successful once. So we've got to be successful every single time. So I think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for us to reward great behavior. It's a it's a it's an awesome opportunity for us to remind people of their responsibilities. Um, and like I said, it creates an army of people for us um, focused on on similar uh, similar things for an entire month. And uh, I've said it before, our, our people are the most important component of the cybersecurity chain of defense and making sure that they're aware of uh, not only their responsibilities, but providing them with solid strategies to become fish proof is uh, is critical. Um, one of the things I like to talk about is making sure that we always um, display a um, healthy dose of skepticism online. Okay. Right? We just, yep. <laughs> you know, don't believe everything you read, right? If you get an email asking you to do something that doesn't seem right, um, follow up on it out of band with a phone call, uh, with a visit to make sure that the action that you're being requested to take is legitimate. It seems silly, right? It seems like we should be able to recognize these things without having to do that. But we've, we've seen here. I think it's practical. Of- I think like you said, it's, it's the way of the world moving forward. It's only going to get worse and it's going to get more and more um, difficult to detect what is wrong what is right what is it what is a fish what isn't who is real who isn't that it's scary in a way right it, well not in a way it absolutely is scary it is it is and the innovation on the other side is incredibly impressive it's just really impressive to see what some of these groups are up to these days yeah i think i i, I mentioned i started this early in the year i remember at Vimon, if if people that saw my demo that i did on main stage where i actually simulated a ransomware attack I built that with ChatGBT literally within a couple of minutes, right? Um, and then tweaked it a little bit, got it to do some things. And 
when I executed it and what it did to the website that I hit, it looked like a real attack, right? And mm-hmm. it did encrypt the data and obviously there were parts of that that were, were a bit smoke and mirrors, but that was me in five minutes and I'm a hack at best, right? So I've been using this, this narrative all year. It's scary to think that if I could have done that, what the targeted guys that really, really want to do damage and inflict damage and are running these um, ransomware and cyber uh, attack companies as businesses effectively, what they can do with this technology advancement that we're seeing, especially around AI. Yeah, it's it's really incredible when you start to scratch the surface on the deep web, and we've you know we're uh, we've built an entire cyber threat intelligence team here that's plugged into some of the forms in the deep web, and we can see real time what it is they're up to and what they're bragging about, and which uh, which victims they're targeting, how they're targeting them, what their tactics are, what types of malware. Um, they're using, but these larger organizations, as you said, they're they're a business that's in some cases Fortune 500 size businesses focused on this yeah. with CFOs and business plans and objectives. And I, it takes me back to, you know, some of the advice that I give to customers and others in this industry about focusing on the basics. There's Anthony. There's a joke of these two guys in the woods and they see a black bear. One of them bends over and ties his shoes. And the guy says to him, Hey, you're not going to be able to outrun that bear. He says, I don't have to, I just have to outrun you. It's the <laughs> same thing in, in cybersecurity, right? If you can focus on the minimum uh, components, um, these, these organizations that are targeting you, uh, um, they have limited resources to continue that targeting of you. Mm. And to the extent that you can raise their cost with solid strategies to prevent these types of breaches, uh, in, in many cases, they'll move on to the next victim. I mean, we've talked about AI and, and automation and all kinds of higher level um, hacking and um, cyber attack uh, topics. But what I tell people is focus on the basics, you know, things like application whitelisting, patching your apps, making sure your OSs are up to up to date, managing your privileged users. Um, yeah. And then finally, you know, implementing that foolproof backup and restore strategy that you exercise and that you know works, I think, are the key things that that companies and organizations, even those uh, that aren't as resourced as some of the larger companies, if you focus on those types of uh, types of issues in your company, I think you'll find that um, that that perhaps the attackers will move on to someone who doesn't focus yeah. on those things. Isn't it amazing that you're still talking about effect with the basics that we've all known about yeah. and talked about for years, but it's still the point of entry that's most likely to happen effectively because, yeah, someone doesn't, you know, do least privilege as an open API. I mean, I, I've, I'm guilty of this when I used to run, and it's part of the reason I make a joke, it's part of the reason why I left the actual infrastructure game and having a responsibility for a platform and it all falling on me. I did. I just didn't want to be part of an attack, right? I didn't want that on my head. I didn't want it on my brand. I didn't want it as part of my life. It's, it affects my livelihood, right? And I think I realized that seven or eight years ago before I joined Veeam. Pretty happy that I'm on the other side preaching to people to make sure you're protected. But I think even back then, we weren't patching. Like We just didn't do it because it was, it was a pain in the ass, right? Like, and there was, yeah. it was probably a slightly different, we're talking seven or 10 years ago now, it is slightly different today. I think people understand they have to do it, but I still feel there's a huge majority that still have the mentality that I had and others I know in the industry had even seven to 10 years ago, which is like, it'll never happen to us. Let's not worry about it. We'll be okay. And you just can't think that way today. 
Yeah, you absolutely can. It's such a target-rich environment, full of companies and organizations that that are still ten to fifteen years in the past that don't focus on those things. I just I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I worked for a company that <laughs> couldn't do the bare minimum. It would just be miserable. Yeah. Hey, Tim, and you you mentioned like the targets, right? Like I think we've seen some pretty significant hits in the past couple of weeks. We've seen MGM. We've seen a heap of high-profile hits. Do you think? that these companies out there with the businesses of cyber attacks and ransomware companies, you think that they go for the big ones every so often just to remind the world that, hey, we're here, we want to make a statement, but really what they want to do is go for the, the more bottom end of the pyramid, the, 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 the low-hanging fruit. Where, where do you see it? Is there a balance that they take or is it just like you said, they just keep on you know, try and move to the next, try and move to the next? Well, if there's anything that we know about these well-resourced adversaries that are focused on digital crimes, fraud, and and hacking, um, we know that most of them are full of hubris. So, uh, being able to brag that you were the group that took down MGM, you know, one of the largest resort companies in the world, operating multiple casinos across the globe, and cost them millions of dollars a day while they tried to recover from that. That's a pretty significant bragging point. We've seen these yeah. uh, bragging points uh, across the internet. We've seen them at open source. We've seen them on the deep web. Uh, they're taking credit for a lot of those things. Now, besides the damage inflicted on a company like MGM, I'm not sure how much these groups were able to monetize those attacks for themselves. So I think you're right. I think the focus for these groups is going to continue to be the small and mid-sized businesses that oftentimes have no other option than to pay a ransom in order to restore uh, to restore their operations. So that focus is going to continue to to remain there. I think every once in a while you'll see you know a huge uh, concern like MGM get caught up in something like this. And what I'm learning about the MGM uh, attack is uh, is very similar to some of the things we've already talked about. You know the the lack of focus on the simple things, the fundamentals yeah. of IT and cybersecurity program. Yeah, let, let's finish off. We've got to probably about five or six minutes left. I wanted to touch on our industry as a whole, right? Because I think, you know, we're, we're a backup data protection company in, in our roots. There's a there's a big sort of, um, I wouldn't call it an over-rotation in the industry, but there's a lot of companies out there, you know, talking and spruiking their security wares. Where do you see Veeam sitting in that landscape today? I mean, we just, we, we've had a really good, um, um, publicity uh, release with the Wall Street Journal. We've done some great uh, marketing there. Where do you see Veeam sitting in this whole notion of is backup security, is security backup? Yeah, you've heard me say uh, many times that our focus here at Veeam is on resiliency and being able to recover from the inevitable attack and having um, having delivered products to our customers that allow us to, that allow them to be resilient in the face of these ever-expanding uh, types of attacks, I think, is one of the most valuable components um, in a CISO's arsenal. So a, a lot of our conversations with our customers are, um, are are with CISOs these days, right? Not just the tactical CISOs, but the strategic CISOs who are looking at programs um, in, in a world of declining resources and the ability to make huge investments in cybersecurity uh, I think I think the smart CISOs now are focused on this idea of resiliency, being able to recover quickly and confidently from an inevitable um, inevitable attack. And I think um, 
Veeam isn't a cybersecurity company, but I think our leadership understands that we are becoming an indispensable tool in the world of CISOs trying to manage cybersecurity and resiliency for their businesses. Brilliant. Love that. That's, that's great. We, I talk about it as, as a tool set, right? We've, I talk about three facets to it, the education at the front end, the tooling that you use at the middle to basically back up, recover, be resilient, and then also the business process, which creates that BCDR loop cycle. I'm very big on that. So you, you, you've called it out beautifully there. So I'm glad that you know I can go back and talk to those guys that I spoke to over the couple of weeks and I can maybe respond to the factors. Why is a regional CTO talking to me about security? Well, I think I hit the nail on the head, so I'm pretty happy with that. Hey, just to finish off, just I think, again, we started off with what is a CISO. You explained it beautifully. I think there's a few people out there listening to this that might want to sort of understand how do I make that next step? What's some advice or some industry or career advice you would give to someone looking to make that step to become a CISO? Yeah, you know, typically the CISOs will come out of the IT infrastructure space. You're seeing more and more come out of application development, which I think is really, I think that's great for the role, right? Because being able to understand this this job from an application development or software engineering perspective is pretty unique. Um, So we're seeing a lot of that. Um, For those those, uh, that are working more junior roles in general IT organizations, I think the best advice I can give you is to learn everything you can about the business of your business, how you make money, how the company's strategy is developed, and overall how technology and cybersecurity fit into that overall strategy and revenue picture. Understanding that will lead you um, assuredly down the path of being a much more strategic thinker, being a business enabling CISO, which is what we all need to be. You know, uh, we're not your grandfather's CISO anymore. Uh, <laughs> can't just say no all the time. You've got to manage risk and you've got to uh, be able to understand the trade-offs associated with supporting the business. So just being more strategic in your thinking and availing yourself to some of these more strategic topics across the business, I think is going to enable you to take that next step. Awesome. Hey Gil, thanks a lot for being on the sound of tech to come. I think obviously this, this is the sound of tech to come, which means that tech to come in this sense is a lot more attacks, a lot more sophistication, but I think a lot more companies ready with the right tooling to be able to, you know, be resilient against the inevitable. So it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Great to have you on. This was a really insightful conversation. And again, thanks a lot for being on the show.